Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. And we're glad for all of you that are online as well. We're happy to be with you this morning. Wanted to let you know some exciting announcements. On Wednesday nights, our Bible studies are back. Um, Pastor Sam's going to be right here in the sanctuary doing an Advent study. I hear it's a great study, isn't it? And uh, so that's going to be here in the sanctuary, but you can also watch it online if you don't want to come in person. Harriet Murray has a class as well, an Advent study, and they're in a big room and they can spread out. And I hear they're having a great time. Are they having a great time at that one? They are. And the youth and kids, we've been meeting outside, uh, but we will be inside this Wednesday because it's going to be 30 degrees. And Catherine and I just can't do 30 degree weather, so we'll be inside. The children and youth are going to be going to see the Polar Express on December 5th at the movie theater here in Gadsden. And we rented out the whole theater so we can spread out and social distance. It's going to be a great time. So uh, youth and kids are welcome to go to that. Um, Mosaic this week, we're going to have our World AIDS Day service. And the theme is Global Solidarity, Shared Responsibility. That's going to be Tuesday at 6.30 here in the sanctuary uh, for anyone who would like to come to that. And this is a really exciting announcement. Christmas Eve. Um, so we're going to have two services, one at 4 and one at 6. That way uh, we have room to spread out. And we're also asking you to make a reservation so we know how many people are coming and we keep everybody spread out in a good way and make everybody comfortable. You can make a reservation uh, by uh, the website or you can also call the church office. We want to make sure that you sign up for that. And I don't know if you see this beautiful angel tree. You may not be able to see it if you're watching online, so I'll just tell you. There is a beautiful angel tree here in the sanctuary uh, with great children that um, you can pick up some gifts for Christmas for them if you would like to do that. You can come by the church anytime to do that. We also have Advent calendars from the United Methodist Children's Homes at all the entrances of the church. And you just poke out each day and it's going to give you a great idea of a way that you can serve each day during the season of Advent. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together to worship this Sunday. I pray that you'll calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. And happy first Sunday of Advent. I don't know about you, but my heart needs Advent this year. Advent is the first Sunday of the Christian year. And today we officially get a start on the new Christian year. I don't mind getting a start on New Year's, do you? So today we light the first candle of our Advent wreath. And um, so anyway, we prepare our hearts. We watch and we wait for Christ's coming. We light candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God's um, provision. Today, we light this candle of hope. Now, hear God's promise of hope from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hill. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. 
They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Let us pray. Faithful God, out of war's chaos, you bring the order of peace. Renew us in hope that we may work toward Christ's advent of peace among all nations. God of promise, God of hope, into our darkness come. Amen.
Staring into the face of my Savior 
join us in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Catherine just took our children uh, out for children's church, and um, so I know they're about to have a good time. So we, we love our children here, and we love Miss Catherine for working with those sweet children. Uh, today, as we approach our prayer time and our time to remember God by giving our tithes and offerings, I want you to remember, uh, just hold especially in your heart the, the people in our church family that are struggling with, with illness now. We have a few in the hospital that are, and a few in, in rehab that are trying to get stronger so they can go home. This is, um, this is a difficult time of the year to, to be sick because you're longing to be with your family so much. Remember those who are grieving um, this year, who are facing the holidays without uh, loved ones uh, who've gone on to heaven. And uh, say a special prayer for caregivers, for family caregivers, for health caregivers, for those who, who serve us. Uh, so remember all those and hold them in your prayers. If you have a special prayer request, you can send that to us, uh, guestinfirstumc.com. Uh, I think I got that right. Anyway, uh, send us your prayer request. I didn't get it right. She was uh, shaking her head no. But anyway, get us your prayer requests, and we'll have our prayer team to pray for them. Uh, thank you for your support as always, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, this is a time that we light candles and remember by the shining lights that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. But sometimes we feel that heaviness, uh, the heaviness of the darkness around us. Sometimes we feel the burdens and the grief, and um, we, we feel the weight of um, those that we love that, that need a special touch from you. And along with our own needs, Lord, this is a, a beautiful time of year, and it's also a heartbreaking time of year because every emotion that we have somehow gets magnified as we approach Christmas. So Lord, we pray that you would shed extra grace on us. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you would bridge the divide with your love and with your peace. And any, uh, 
any differences and any hurts and any uh, special needs that we have, God, your grace is sufficient for us and your love will cover all of us. So Lord, as we give these tithes and offerings to you, as we send in our generosity cards with our promise for 2021, we ask God that everything we do, every service that we give, every gift that we give would be blessed, would be multiplied and would be used for your glory because you are king. And we offer these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, things that you have to learn to do when you have to wear a mask and a microphone at the same time. I wanna say thank you to our, our music program. I know that you've noticed the extra beautiful music that we've had today. That's gonna to be one of the things that we have each Sunday of Advent and I look forward to it. It is just such a blessing and so wonderful. 
and it adds so much to our worship experience. And tell all your friends to go back and watch uh, this service. If, uh, if, if not because the sermon is so awesome, but because the music is so great too. So today we begin with Christ the King. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, if you want to follow along with me, is where I'll be reading from today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I hope that you were able to, over Thanksgiving holidays, to do um, some kind of gathering, even if you had to do FaceTime, even if you had to do Skype. I know that we're all making adjustments, and we're doing it out of love. That's why we're making adjustments here at Gadsden First. That's why we, we spread out and wear masks and all of that. We do it because we love and because we care. And... Uh, but family gatherings are important, and I hope that you were able to do some of that over Thanksgiving. I know that there are three topics that whenever we gather as families, if you have a family that's kind of a mixed bag like, like we do sometimes, there are three topics that you stay away from at family gatherings, in the South at least. Um, politics, religion, and football. Am I right? You know, if you avoid all three of those, you might be all right. Well, guess what? I'm about to talk about all three of those subjects today in this sermon. And you think, Pastor Sam has lost his marbles. Maybe so. But, um, all right, let's get football out of the way first, okay? Uh, here's what I want to say about football. The Iron Bowl was played yesterday. That's all I'm going to say about football. Okay, on to politics. Uh, on to something really non-controversial, politics. So are you ready for that? Are you ready for politics? Well, I'm, I'm talking about politics 2,000 years ago. Uh, at the time Jesus was born. I mean, you didn't think I was going to talk about politics in 2020. Even I'm not that crazy. Um, 
Politics 2,000 years ago, politics at the time that Jesus was born, in the place where Jesus was born. The area where Jesus was born, of course, as you know, was an area called Palestine. And Palestine, as you also know, was part of a very, very large territory called the Roman Empire. And within the Roman Empire, there were various areas. And within each of these areas, like Palestine or Syria or Egypt, within these different areas were different kings. And I use air quotes for kings because they were only kings because the Roman emperor allowed them to be kings. And they were only allowed to be kings um, as long as they did two things. They had to be loyal to Rome and they had to keep everything steady. They had to keep everything under control, right? As long as they did that, those two things, they were allowed to call themselves king if they wanted to, and they were allowed to have the support of the Roman army. So at the time Jesus was born, Herod the Great was the king in the area of Palestine. But it was at the tail end of his rule and his reign, and, and he was coming to the end and some historians would say uh, he had a very successful reign. If you look at the things that he built, right? He built fortresses. He built aqueducts. He built theaters and public buildings. And he built things like that. Um, but historians would also remind you that, okay, he had a few loose screws. To be, I mean, he was a couple of french fries short of a happy meal to begin with. And the older he got and the further his reign got the more crazy he got, the more paranoid he got, the more just violent and bloody he became. It, it, it was awful because he, he ruled really by mass terror and he, he had a system of spies and it was, I guess, a primitive kind of surveillance and he had his spies everywhere and they would come back and tell him, so you know you were suspicious of your neighbor. You didn't know if your neighbor was going to report back to to King Herod or, or whatever, and he ruled by fear and he ruled in complete paranoia. Uh, when I say he was paranoid and when I say he was violent and bloody, I mean that he was systematically trying to eliminate anybody to threaten his throne. And I'm talking about his family members. He had his family members killed and executed and he would accuse them of treason just for anything. And he was just systematically, one by one, just killing off every male who had a claim to the throne. And at the time Jesus was born, Herod was in the process of trying to execute his son, Antipater, who uh, he accused of treason. So, um, so it's, not just, um, it's not just us that's saying that, that Hitler was, was kind of going off of his rocker, but historians also, like Josephus, also wrote about how that people were talking. Uh, the king's crazy. You know, what's he going to do next? We don't know. The Jewish ruling elite were worried because they were uh, wanting to hold on to their power, of course, and there was a delicate balance. They knew that they could only hold on to their power as long as things were stable, and Herod's mental state was becoming more and more unstable. So we know other political figures were a part of the scene. We know Pontius Pilate had his own issues, and he was the governor of Judea at the time. 
uh, we know that Pontius Pilate was also only in power as long as things were stable. But in a nutshell, politically speaking anyway, at the time Jesus born, was born, the, the climate was kind of like a powder keg that's fuse was lit and everybody was waiting for everything to go boom. So, now that's politics. How about religion? I mentioned already the, the ruling elite, the Jewish ruling elite, because you see the, the, the Jewish uh, religion was, was the thing around there, and, and the Jewish ruling elite ruled everything. We're talking about the high priests at the time was Caiaphas, but Annas... Uh, was his father-in-law, and Annas was kind of like the religious godfather who was, was really the most influential religious person in the area. And then there was the Sanhedrin, and the Roman Empire really didn't care much about religion and, except for maybe emperor worship. So they allowed the, the, the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin, to take care of religious matters and to take care of civil matters even, they allowed them to be in power as long as they kept Rome happy and as long as they kept the king happy. It was a very delicate balance. Uh, they would allow the Roman uh, religious elite, the, the Jewish religious elite, to do whatever they wanted to do as long as there was a balance. As long as, right, nobody rocked the boat. And in the midst of this religious and in the midst of this political climate, God said, it's time to rock the boat. So as Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman. And that's what we're talking about. All during the season of Advent, we're talking about God sending his son, born of a woman. We're talking about the incarnation is our theological word for it. And it just comes from a Latin word that means to become flesh, to literally be embodied. And so the Christian faith is, is built upon being bold enough to say that the God of the universe, the creator of everything that is, actually became flesh and was born and of a woman and was a baby and was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. We are saying, religiously speaking, that the Word became flesh. We are also saying, religiously and politically speaking, that Jesus was the Messiah because, you see, Messiah is also a political term. If you remember the scripture that I just read from Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel told Mary, this son that you're going to have... This child is going to receive the throne of his ancestor David. He's going to be king, and not just king with a small K, king with a capital K. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will rule everyone, everywhere, forever and ever. That was a political statement and a religious statement. It was a threat, of course, to the paranoid Herod. It was certainly a threat to him. We read in Matthew chapter 2 when the Magi came to Herod and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod said, What? King? I'm king. What do you mean someone was king? And so he said, Go and find this 
go and find this newborn king because I want to go and worship him too. Well, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to get rid of him. And he called together the religious, the Jewish religious leaders and said, what's this about a king? What's this about a Messiah being born? And they knew enough to know that the king was supposed to be born and the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But they didn't know enough to expect the, the king to be born and to look for him in a manger. So Jesus, the newborn king, was such a political threat that Herod had all the children two years old and younger around Bethlehem slaughtered. And Jesus, the newborn king, was such a religious threat that the religious establishment worked together with the political establishment to try to get rid of Jesus and would ultimately have him crucified. But they couldn't get rid of the king of kings. Why? Because even death could not hold this king because Christ is king and Christ rules even over death. Jesus is king of kings and of his kingdom there will be no end. So the greatest moment in history, really the climax of all human history, is Jesus, the newborn king, God made flesh dwelling with us with us okay so if ever there was a time for all of us to say amen that would have been it so if you want to go ahead and type amen into the comments I will make sure I'll go back and read them later but um, also every sermon not not only needs an amen it also needs a so what okay here comes the so what. What does this mean? That Christ is king. What does this mean for us and not only for us but for a third of the world's population that claims Jesus Christ as their king? What does it mean for us? I believe and I want to tell you right now that, that this means two things for us that we really desperately need right now at this time. And one is perspective. We need Christ the King to help us put things and keep things in perspective, especially now. Especially when we have just, in this country, been through a time of political turmoil and divisiveness and contentiousness and hurt feelings and, and arguments and all of the things that we just got through experiencing with the presidential campaign Deep division, deep division. But here's what I mean when I say perspective. Because for all of us who claim Jesus Christ as our king, you see, we get up every day knowing that our highest allegiance and our deepest devotion and our greatest commitment belongs not to a political party, and not even to our own country as much as we love our country. Our highest allegiance and our deepest devotion and our greatest commitment belongs to one and one only. And that is Jesus Christ, our King. So what if we decided that that was our highest allegiance and everything else came after that? Because you see... If we get that backwards, if we put any other allegiance, any other allegiance, 
higher than our allegiance to Christ the King, it amounts to idolatry. But what if we agreed? What if we agreed on this point and we had this perspective that Jesus Christ is King and that He deserves our highest allegiance and our deepest commitment and our, our, our deepest devotion? What if we agreed to put that first? And if we all could agree to that, then I think many of the other things over which we argue so much wouldn't matter at all. If Christ is king and if following Christ is our highest goal, regardless of who we are or how old or how young or what work we do or anything like that, if just seeking first God's kingdom together, if we could do that, if we could walk together six feet apart, wearing masks, walk together, you see, you say, well, Pastor Sam, that sounds like you're a dreamer. And maybe I am a dreamer, but maybe I'm not the only one. Perspective. All right. The other thing that Christ the King gives us that we desperately need right now is promise. Um, we need that. We need to hold on to the promise because, let's face it, it's been a tough year. It's been hard and it's been, it's been taxing and this pandemic is taking its toll on us in too many ways to count. Everybody has been affected by it. It's been tough. But we have promise. We have promise to hold on to. I want to share a quote with you from Adam Hamilton's book. And by the way, I, I really hope that you'll, you'll dig deeper into uh, this theme of incarnation with us during the season of Advent. And you'll follow along and you'll study with us either in, in person or online. If you need a copy of the book, you can get one at the church office. Adam Hamilton's book, Incarnation. But here's a quote from that book, and, and in this quote, uh, Adam Hamilton quotes another man, James Stewart, from his book called King Forever. I want to share this with you. The world's dark night may still continue pressing in upon us, but if I have seen Christ, then I know that the darkness of history is now shot through with unquenchable hope. And with the final certainty of the glorious outcome of all its struggles, or to make it more personal, I may go down into the dark, but if I do, I am still in the hands of him who bears the scepter of all the universes and everlastingly makes all things new, here and hereafter, and therefore I am safe forever." Today, as we started this service, we lit the first candle on the Advent wreath, and it's the candle of hope. I think I've told you before that instead of calling myself an optimist, I will call myself a person of hope. Because, you know, being an optimist, you can have blind optimism. You can put on rose-colored glasses. But being a person of hope means that your hope is built on something. It's built on something. And our hope is built on something solid. Our hope is built on 
nothing, nothing less than Jesus Christ the King. Why am I a person of hope? Because I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. My hope is built on Christ the King. And I hope yours is too. Let's pray. God, in times like this, we, we need to be reminded that there is a king that holds our highest allegiance, that holds our deepest devotion, and that holds our greatest commitment. And that is the king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. If we keep that perspective, then it helps remind us that the things over which we are so deeply divided don't matter quite as much. And we also need that promise, Lord, that promise of a hope that is deep and that is strong, that is the anchor of our souls, Jesus Christ the King, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now we are going to sing our closing hymn. Our closing hymn is one of my favorite Christmas hymns, but it also talks about the hope that comes from the little town of Bethlehem. Will you stand with me if you're here in person or sing along with me if you're at home? Number 230, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
Okay. Now hear the benediction from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.